Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Part of the issues with the idea of using a funnel you touched on, one, it's almost oversimplifying to assume that everyone buys in your typical three to four phases of a funnel, like awareness, consideration, buy. That shoves the way that we all make buying decisions into three like super generic stages that may not be relevant depending on what product is being sold, depending on whether it's a business versus consumer decision. And also, even if someone does have generally three stages of a buying journey, awareness, consideration, buy, I think those are the ones I said. The metrics that we use to understand whether they're getting through that journey um, are also totally different, depending on who they are, what they're buying, what matters to them. What's up, everybody? I have Claire on the podcast today. I'm going to have her introduce herself. Claire, what's up? How did you get into marketing? Could you give a little background about who you are and how did you get into marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Yeah, so my name is Claire Solentrop. I am the co-founder of a boutique, a little like B2B SaaS consulting firm called Forget the Funnel. We can talk all about funnels in a second. I probably like a lot of people uh, fell backwards into marketing. When I was in college, I was getting a very like generic multimedia comms type degree. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it. But I was also working at the university radio station, which I loved. Big, like, geeky music snob kid. And that ended up landing me a job at a music and entertainment marketing agency after I graduated. And then that led me into really the world of marketing in general. And then software or SaaS came into the picture several years later in like 2014. I'm skipping some of the middle part, but that's how I fell into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy to hear everybody's different journey. I think that's like the cool part about marketing. Every journey is like not linear. Like there's not one path to get into marketing. I want to go into the topic for today. Um, you just wrote a book called Fix My Funnel. Is that? Forget the funnel. <laughs> forget the funnel. Forget the funnel. Same thing if you fix the funnel. So forget the funnel. I want to talk about why companies should forget the funnel. What went into thinking of why should companies scrap the funnel that everybody's been talking about for the last like 20 years of marketing? Yeah. Well, and as a quick note, if you're listening to this and you still use the concept of a funnel like in your work, I'm not judging you by any means, but my business partner, Georgiana Lottie and myself, when we met, we had both just left our last in-house roles as marketing leaders at different B2B tech companies. And we ended up linking up in a like a women in tech type networking group. And we both had this shared philosophy about really the role of marketing and how, yes, traditionally marketing has been all about acquisition metrics, acquiring new customers and, and generating awareness, bring them through the funnel. But working in software as a service businesses, in working in tech companies that have a recurring revenue model, it was very obvious to both of us that focusing on driving people into the funnel is only a very tiny part of the picture of driving revenue overall. If your goal is to 
increased revenue by retaining customers month over month, year over year, then just shoving people into the funnel is totally missing the point. So that's how we ended up naming our work together, Forget the Funnel, which has then, to your point, turned into a whole book about what we do instead. I think even the concept of trying to get someone in the funnel, there's so many things that happen before the funnel, there's so many things that happen after the funnel, and there's so many things that happen during the funnel that could make people go back into the funnel. So it's like, how should companies think about this? Even if they're operating the same from a metric standpoint as a funnel, how should they think about approaching marketing without thinking about the funnel? I love that question. And I part of the issues with the idea of using a funnel you touched on, one, it's almost oversimplifying to assume that everyone buys in your typical three to four phases of a funnel, like awareness, consideration, buy, that shoves the way that we all make buying decisions into three like super generic stages that may not be relevant depending on what product is being sold, depending on whether it's a business versus consumer decision. And also, even if someone does have generally three stages of a buying journey, awareness, consideration, buy, I think those are the ones I said, the metrics that we use to understand whether they're getting through that journey um, are also totally different depending on who they are, what they're buying, what matters to them. So to get back to your question of what should companies do instead, usually where we start is by sitting down and getting super clear with them on, okay, of all the customers you have, your customer base is probably quite diverse. People with lots of different job titles and spread across different regions and and all these other characteristics that make them different. Who's your like super ideal customer? Give us like 10 customers that you wish you could clone a whole bunch more of. Who are those really best people? Because if those are the ideal ones, they're definitely who we want to be learning from and acquiring more of. So once we've gotten clear on who those folks are, then the next step is really figuring out why they, out in the world before they ever knew about your product, why they woke up one day and they were like, okay, this isn't working. I need a new thing. From there, I'm like simplifying this, so definitely dig in. But from there, if we can uncover what the buying process looked like for those best people, then we can reverse engineer KPIs and funnel stages, so to speak, that match up with that best customer's journey so that we can go find more folks like them and convert more of them in a meaningful way. Yeah, and it's also like going back to creating the funnel and meeting the customers where they are instead of creating the funnel of where you want customers to be in a funnel. Also, I think a lot of the funnel that people traditionally do right now is built for like demand capture, like capturing existing people that you're running marketing campaigns to. It doesn't take into consider, of, I know there's like awareness phase, but like the awareness phase is usually like leads that already came in. It's not right. this audience you're building up that might just like you or like because most people aren't ready to buy that's just like and you start annoying people if you say like oh you're in the consideration phase but i have no intention to buy right now like you're still annoying a lot of customers that way so i love the then reverse engineering what the best customers your dream customers are what you think your customers are doing and start doing but i how often should you do this? Because I feel like in the last like three to five years, like buying behavior has changed rapidly. Even like the last 10 years with like traditional buyers, even like non-beta, like mapping their buying experience of Amazon and Shopify and all these like quick 
purchase sites where they expect experience, they expect easy, no frictionless experience. So how often should you go through this exercise of mapping it out? The most annoying answer is it depends, obviously. But I can try to think some scenarios where a company might want to consider rethinking whether it's time to move on from their traditional funnel and their funnel metrics. One common scenario is like you described, there's been a sea change in the the competitive landscape of some kind or in the market. So like when COVID hit, that totally changed how so many different people made purchases. Like suddenly every business was like, okay, we need to be really careful with our budget because we don't know what's going to happen. So everyone cut all the software expenses that we don't absolutely need. And so you had a bunch of software companies be like, we just went from being a painkiller to a bunch of people's vitamin and they're firing us. So COVID was a good example of like a moment when hundreds and hundreds of businesses had to kind of rethink who they were targeting, who now was their best customer because they were losing a whole bunch of who they thought their best customers had been. And so that type of like market shift is usually a good indicator that like we should maybe rethink how we're going about acquiring customers. Another good indicator that it's time to revisit how you're managing marketing and whether your metrics or your funnel concept need updated is if your product has evolved significantly and can help customers do more or do different things than it used to, what's a good example of that? I think of like the intercoms out in the world that are like super robust platforms. They didn't start necessarily quite that robust, but over time they became like more and more capable of doing more things. And ultimately who gets value from them has changed. So if your product has evolved, if there's been a shift in the market, or if you notice that people you don't honestly know a whole lot about have been coming to your product and signing up. That's happened as well, where we've worked with teams that have had a particular understanding of their who their ideal customer is, but they've been getting more and more people from a different industry or with a different job title. And they're like, this is kind of a new persona we're catering to. We don't know how this person even found us. Those are three that we see somewhat regularly. I'm sure you can think of some as well. What are some ways that companies could adopt customer-led growth in their organization today? Because a lot of, I mean, the two biggest types of growth, right, that you hear in the market are either sales-led growth or product-led growth. So like, how do you rethink it to frame it as, let's be solely customer buyer centric instead. In my head, there's this like foundation of of customer led growth, which is essentially just getting a really deep understanding of who your best customers are, what pushes them to look for a product like yours and why did they choose you? And then really operationalizing or tactically connecting that knowledge with the way that your company runs. And so it's like customer led growth kind of sits at the bottom And then whether you need a sales-led motion or a product-led motion, you might need both for different customer types you speak to, all kind of filters up from knowing what those best customers care about and and how they buy. So it's like adding a layer of, of customer understanding across the org. But I'm speaking about an organization where that level of understanding has been created and influences everything. If someone is listening to this and they're like, that sounds interesting, the idea of using customer insight to define the KPIs that we measure and the marketing channels we use, one way to get started with it is to identify a a metric that's not looking great right now. 
oftentimes a really easy one to start with is like website to sign up conversion rate. Sometimes if the marketing team has impact over it, the sign up to paid conversion rate and improving that can also be a good metric to tackle. But choose a metric that's not doing super great. And rather than saying, okay, team, let's have a brainstorm about all the ways that we can move the needle on this metric. Instead, start with, okay, our website, I'm picking website conversion rate as an example because marketing often does have control over it. But instead of just having a brainstorm and coming up with a bunch of random optimization ideas, sit down with your team and say, okay, we know our website isn't converting as highly as we want it to right now. Let's go talk to 10 of our best customers and ask about their experience of buying our product. And based on the words and the phrases they use and based on what they say is most important, let's make some optimization. Let's come up with how we want to optimize based on learning from that first. That's like a micro way of of testing this out. When we actually worked with a social media tool called Meet Edgar, and they were recently, I want to say it was last year that they were acquired by a PE fund. But when we worked with Meet Edgar a couple of years ago, they had kick-ass top of funnel performance. They were doing so much marketing. They were like firing on all cylinders with paid channels. They had heavily invested in content marketing. They had marketing going. But they reached out because no matter how much they like changed their budget, no matter like what they did on the top of funnel side, their revenue was still just kind of like flat, like it wasn't going up, even with heavier marketing investments. So we did exactly that process with them. We learned from their best customers. I can talk about what we learned if that's helpful. And then we rewrote a couple of pages on their website, their homepage, their features page, and their pricing page. And just that one little tweak that was informed by customer insight, I'd have to honestly like go open the book to remind myself what the conversion rate increase was, but it was huge. There was a massive lift in people coming to their site and actually signing up. And because they had rewritten those pages to speak to the the best fit customer, like the person most likely to understand and need their product, they also like as a follow-on benefit, they saw their sign up to paid conversion rate increase as well. Again, I feel so silly that I can't remember the conversion rate increase off the top of my head. But that's like an example of kind of inserting a customer-led approach into what your team is already doing. I think that's brilliant because I think like to improve a metric like a lever, it could be 10 different things. It could be a copy change in the website. It could be make it easier for the buyer to buy so they add less friction, like book a demo on the website. It could be, hey, the form is not intuitive, so I'm dropping off. Like there could be so many different factors, but you don't know that until you've talked to a customer. And it's just crazy that like, just change a little bit of copy to make sure that the language is speaking to like the actual value prop of. And that's also something that a lot of customers, people make as well as they don't know who the customer is. So they make broad, generalized statements that are going to capture random people instead of who they want. They think as many people as they can, but then you're kind of speaking to no one. And that was a bit of a challenge that they had. So from the customer research, what we learned was that there were two primary reasons that people sought out this product. Again, it's a social media management tool. It does a, it automates a lot of the posting and reposting and stuff across your social channels. And the two major reasons that came up that drove people to look for this thing was either it was a business that already 
had like a social media strategy. They were really successful with social as a marketing channel. And so now they were like, okay, we know social works. We're ready to double down and stop doing the manual part of it so we can like move on and do other important stuff. And then there were people who, or there were businesses that were just kind of starting to experiment with social as a marketing channel. And in learning that, it was like, okay, you're speaking to two very different people. Someone who's ready to double down on social and someone who's like, I don't know if this will work for me. I'm just trying to get started. And you can think about like how differently those two people are to try to acquire. One is going to be much more educated on like how to use typical social media management products. They're going to already have a content strategy in place. Like they're going to be ready to go. People who are just learning it, they don't really know necessarily what they want to post. They don't have a content strategy. There's no guarantee that social media is even going to be a relevant channel for them. And so the Meet Edgar team stepped back and they were like, okay, we've got these people who are invested in social who we want to attract. And then we've got folks that are just experimenting with social for their business. And it's fine if they come to us, but they're not an ideal fit, clearly. And they looked across their marketing and they realized that most of their marketing had been trying to speak to both audiences at once. And a lot of their biggest investments were really more tailored to those newbies who are not ideal fits for their product. So that realization was the wake up call for them to be like, okay, we need to change who we're speaking to and get more specific about speaking to folks who already know the value of social media as a marketing channel. I totally agree. There's like so many ways that you could impact any particular metric, changing copy, changing a button color, like little tactical things like that. And they're great. But if you're just kind of guessing at which ones at what to do, it's because you're missing that foundation of like, who the hell am I talking to? And what do they care about? Also, what you're doing too is just through those conversations, that one metric you're impacting, but it also, it informs so many different other parts of the journey of a customer. Like, hey, yeah. we should do more of this in our product. We should do more of this in to keep people in the customer success. Or So I think that's a lot of the problem where I see we did this very well at Service Titan, but like at some other places I've been at. If you solely just focus on, hey, this is my strongest like ideal customer, we're just going to cater to them. It'd be nice to have if we have uh, get these other people in, but right now that's not the sole focus. Let's get as many as we can at ideal customer because our product's built for this. Like Right. It serves them well. Yeah. Yeah. It has the lowest churn. It has the highest retention of these customers. Then maybe we can start considering down the line that other bucket and how we're going to market to those people. But right now, the most successful people on our product are those people. So let's focus on the most successful. Because a lot of people, also marketers think of acquisition of customers and not retention of customers. Because you could bring in a lot of people, but doesn't mean that they're going to stay in your product forever. You're so right. And I, I'm glad you're bringing it through to like the other like stages of a customer's experience. Yeah, if you as a marketer or a marketing team are incentivized to drive volume, but you're not either accountable to or you're not working with other departments to track how well those folks are then converting and staying engaged, then yeah, you might be driving a bunch of junk traffic, which isn't helpful to anyone and just creates more difficulty down the line, either for customer success 
or just if customer success isn't involved and it's really low touch, it's like what Meet Edgar was experiencing where they were doing all of this marketing, but it wasn't reaching, it wasn't driving the right fit type of people. The other thing that's helpful about rethinking a funnel concept is something you described about partnering with other departments. So like if marketing can pull off a project like the one we just described, like a website optimization experiment that's fueled by customer insight, then they can. there's also an opportunity to say, hey, product, like we learned a lot about these customers and how good of a fit they are for us. Like, why don't we partner on reworking our onboarding emails? Because we see a couple of ways that you can probably convert more of them to paid or you start to get into lifecycle nurture campaigns and, and all this other stuff. So it helps break down the silos between like marketing does this over here, product does this over here, CS does that over there. Also, I think what it does too is you can't just go to a leader tomorrow and be like, hey, we want to be a customer growth organization. So doing something like, okay, let's pick a metric to impact, let's run a small test, let's impact it by doing this approach to show the results. Then once we show the results, we'd be like, oh, look how much results we got on from talking to customers from getting these insights. I think we should start doing it in other parts of the org and start adopting this more widely. A lot of people try and say, okay, today we want to become customer-led growth. This like changed the whole business of what we're doing today. And that never works. It never works. So you first have to get buy-in. And the best way to get buy-in is prove up, which you just said is impact something smaller, which is not small. Like if you improve conversion rate by 1%, that's a huge effect in the funnel. So... Yeah, you're absolutely right about no leader is going to say yes to someone reporting up to them saying like, hey, I think we need to adopt this total change across the business. Like just doesn't work that way. So proving it out in a project here, a project there, then starting to roll it out to, you know, maybe your team or do some cross-functional projects definitely is a smoother in. And I'm I'm glad we're talking about this because that is a, now that the book is out, we've gotten a number of folks who've read it coming back to us and saying like, hey, I think this makes so much sense, but I'm not getting a ton of buy-in. Like, what do you suggest? So this was like the perfect <laughs> topic to stumble into. That happens with a lot of, I think, big changes in the org because a lot of people don't want to make big change, but to prove anything, like to get a promotion or to get something through the line, you have to do a small test to prove that it impacts some sort of business metric, which usually the business metric is revenue or pipeline. Money. So, uh, yeah, money. Once you prove that out, then you can be like, go present to leadership and be, hey, we improve conversion rate from website to sign up by 2%, which equates to X amount of pipeline, which is gets X amount of revenue. We should start doing this like, I think the next test, we could go bigger and try it here. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, let's replicate it on this other big thing we have coming up. Yeah. And what's cool about this is like talking to customers just takes time. It doesn't take money. So you can go talk to customers tomorrow. It's not like you're suggesting to people, hey, go spend an extra like $50,000 to do X, Y, and Z to try. It's like, go talk to customers, see what, how, what, and you can run a small experiment based on your findings. One follow-up question is, 
then I, I know people are probably thinking is like, what type of questions do I ask the customers when I go to them? Like, what should I ask them to get the right answers to help make an effect? Yeah. Doing the research well can be tricky if it's something that your team is new to. And we actually have a whole chapter that is on like how to do that part right with like templates for specific interview questions, specific survey questions. So all of that we like basically give away with the book. But to give you like the overarching theme, the questions that you ask should be very much about uncovering what happened in your customer's life, not asking like what is their opinion and not asking future looking questions like, hey, we are considering this feature. What do you think? The whole goal is to try to get as much of a sense of what their buying experience looked like in the wild so that you can then start to find like the commonalities between how all of your best customers buy. So some specific example questions are, before you'd ever even heard of us, what were you using? Were you using anything else? Or were you doing nothing? Like, was this a new need that came about? And then what happened that made you realize that whatever you were using wasn't working anymore? When did you realize you might need to find something else? And then from there, like, how did you look? Like, did you ask colleagues? Did you Google it? Like, how did you go about trying to find a new solution? And then when you found us, like what stood out that made you ready to put in your email and like sign up for the thing? So you can see kind of as I ask those questions, I'm I'm trying to like uncover the step by step. I'm not asking things like, what do you think of this feature or anything that invites opinion as as much of the like facts as we can get is really like the goal. Yeah, it's like, what did you think about our headline on the website? Like, that's not the question you're asking. You're asking like exactly experience. Yeah. <laughs> Last question I have for you, because I like asking this on the podcast is, what's a marketing hill you would die on? Qualitative research is underused or it's underestimated, underused and often done wrong. <laughs> and it's like not considered data half the time. It's like, I love how like that's like, it's, I love how quality, when people think of data, it's only quantitative numbers. It's not like interviews of customers, what are customers saying in the wild? Like, it's always something else. Yeah, there's absolutely value in data. There's value in numbers. But yeah, my my business partner, Gia, has a whole conference talk on everyone saying data-driven, data-driven, data-driven. What your data is probably telling you is what people do and don't do, but you still have no idea why. So yeah, I like the way that you described it. And that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I do think that's great. I think like, Data tells you what happened in the past, and then it also tells you what people did, but it doesn't ever uncover the why and never covers, it never really tells you the full story because it's impossible to track the full story. So you're really basing answers off of either how your marketing attributions going, how you track your KPIs. That's why I think you re talking to customers and then rethinking your KPIs is so important because you putting people in buckets that are totally they may or may not really yeah fit in cool and the last thing i have for you is where could people find your book and it's forget the funnel it's not fix the funnel i got that wrong at the beginning but this will also help you fix your funnel so i'm gonna stick with that um where could people find this and where could people find you yeah so forget the funnel.com is our home base forget the funnel was the business name long before it was a book but also, if you go to Amazon and you type in Forget the Funnel, you'll find us. It's like a dark navy and like bright 
reddish colored cover. What else? Those are probably the two best places. We will have it available on other like book publishing sites, but it's all a process. Or find me on LinkedIn. I semi-regularly hang out there. I'm not the best LinkedIn poster, but come say hi. (laughs) Yeah, so if anybody, I think for anybody listening, one of the most underrated things, and you could, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure most marketers are guilty of this, is not talking to customers enough. Part of the reason is a lot of marketers are overworked and are very busy, but part of the reason is that they just don't know how, they're not doing it right afraid of doing it but it's the one conversation with customers could do what you've done with like me dagger helping them improve one of their biggest metrics so i suggest you get the book this will help you be the guide thank you for being on clara this has been great thanks so much for having me thanks so much for listening keep tuning in to hear more great insights from the coolest marketers from around the world If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and follow the Marketing Millennials podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, I would greatly appreciate you giving us a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.